0: And welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky. And I am joined, as always, by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? What's up? <laughs> How y'all doing?
1: Hey, how's it going? Why does it always feel so strangely? It
0: always feels strange because it's like, well, we've done it for so long. It's like Caroline, Eric, Sean. Every time. Caroline, Eric, Sean. And if someone gets delayed... Caroline, we went through this last week where I said, you weren't here. We welcomed hi, you. I said, what's up, fam? And there was just this long pause. And they were so lost because you were gone.
2: I hold y'all together. I paused this week because... I tried to to change Brasky's script like while he was reading it so he wouldn't notice till the end, but I didn't I didn't get him.
0: See last week I didn't last week Sean threw the curveball at me and then this time Caroline throws the screwball at me. Next week, Conan Hawk, if you mess with these show notes, God help you. I don't know what I'm gonna do.
2: I assume he'll throw a highball at you.
3: Um well you know, I wouldn't do that to you. It's true. <laughs> We're buddies. It's true. See if anything
2: Conan- can you even recognize that that's a joke? Because highball's a drink. No, oh, yeah. are we I close? Like,
3: I like. What is drinking? a highball? A high- I also like uh, jokes. Sure. I get jokes.
0: A highball. A highball is the is the mm. glass that an alcoholic beverage is served in. So a highball is like a long, skinny glass. Whereas a lowball is something you would have like whiskey in.
1: No, that no, that's not it. That,
0: that is
2: 100 true. Also, I have a story to share. It's very important.
0: Oh, no, okay. Okay. Yeah, At some point.
2: Old. In the last forty-eight hours, Eric confirmed shared a joke that was both original and funny. I don't remember what it was.
0: What? I know
3: that it
2: was. I know that it was a "We have something at home" meme, but I don't remember what the joke <laughs> yeah.
0: was.
3: Uh, so one of our teammates was very excited that there could be a legendary crab in Zendikar Rising, and then <laughs> I said we we have crab at home, and then linked uh, Mistform Ultimus. <laughs> it was hilarious
2: it was great everyone celebrated i think we all did victory laps and sent presents and everything it was the best day of our lives eric told a joke and it was funny
0: my goodness that's that's amazing that deserves a highball But Sean, not only is it in the glass, yes,
3: no, it's also whiskey
1: and ginger ale or club soda. I'm only 27, so I don't drink a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
3: Shouldn't you be, wait, isn't that the other way around? (laughs) Like, I think that's how drinking works. You do a lot of it in your 20s and then again in your 60s. I
1: never really drink a lot in my life. I live a strange life, Eric.
0: I say if Eric's going to do anything to mess with my opening show notes, he probably isn't going to change. He's not going to write in any new text or anything. All he's going to do
3: is just like make it bold underline it. <laughs> like just no, do, that's do something too like that. You wanna know the exact thing that I was thinking of doing. What would you make it more Helvetica? <laughs> yeah. The uh the um what is that where you like um it's another stupid meme thing. The lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase thing. Oh, oh yeah. the
1: SpongeBob text.
3: Yeah, the SpongeBob text. There we go. That's the one. Yeah, but I was thinking about that. If you had done that, then I would have had to like speak it
0: in that kind of weird SpongeBob text. Cause it's also it just if I see that text and all of a sudden I just feel like the natural voice behind it is not SpongeBob, but more just being like, I'm talking about stuff. Here. And I'm just like, that's what I would have to read everything as. <laughs> from stop, from I'm stop Bill to Brasker!
3: From...
0: Oh, welcome to Fam Gerper, gerper and just do that make a lot well, of can we do
3: that can we do welcome to fam yeah <laughs> yeah i think we can do that
2: oh Aaron! yeah look out
0: look look at look out with that showing a personality out of here yeah. <laughs> well i can understand why you'd be feeling uh like you'd have sparks of personality because it's probably been a a pretty fun week of magic to say the least so that's what i want to know is how everyone's week in magic has been so let's start off with mr personality conan hawk how was your week in magic
3: Uh, it was all right. I play a lot of historic so that I could, you know, figure out how that works. Um, starting to get a little bit of a hang of it, I guess, but uh, still pretty unsure. Um, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but there's a, there's a deck that someone's probably going to talk a lot about that could be very good. So I want to test that a little bit. I did most of my testing with like goblins and, and Jund and Soltai and stuff like that. And, Right now, um, if, like, if I had to, like, plug in something right for tomorrow or something, I'd probably play Goblins, but it's, the, the format rotates pretty quickly, so, or, like, moves pretty quickly, so it might not be good in, say, like, a couple days, so. Um, I want to make sure that I have a good understanding of everything. So that's basically what I've been doing is just learning as many decks as possible so that I can be a little bit flexible.
0: Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. That Doblins, that, that Doblins deck, the Goblins deck is a, is a spicy one that I think we will chat on a little bit later. But before we chat about that, I want to know how Mr. Toolshed's week in magic has been.
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty, pretty overall a good week. I played the channel fireball pro showdown did okay, whatever. And then I played on Sunday, the arena community cup, Um, Started off 3-0, and then what spiraled me out of control was Brandon's nice, beautiful tweet that uh, caused me to go 0-3 strictly right after my 3-0. So a little rough landing on Sunday, but uh, we were able to rally back. I ended up playing the same deck uh, that I did on Sunday on Monday, with a few changes, and then uh, was able to 4-0 one of the SCG qualifiers. So um, we are able to rally back and salvage our weekend a little bit. So I'll be back ready to battle in exactly – six days from now in the scg what is it a championship qualifier technically is what wow. they're called. Spoilers so
2: spoilers to our news show
3: jeez <laughs> oh sorry
1: no we have to go back we have
0: to go back oh. sure.
1: so uh i'll i'll be playing in redacted on monday so <laughs> <laughs> nice nice <laughs> I, what, what was it about what was it
0: about uh uh, Tom Locke's Swagoi tweet that ended up getting into the code of Magic Arena and and just hindering your game plans from there.
1: Yeah, it was a very strange occurrence because I was feeling so good going to that round four and then I ended up playing Eric who I like w- crushed Eric game one or I, I crushed, it. I'm pretty sure it was game one I like ran away with the game pretty easily he had a mulligan to five, whatever I, mu- I beat him on his mulligan to five, you know woo-hoo. and then he just annihilated me games two and three and then uh, lost the goblins again, so I don't know. He must have just injected another goblins player into the tournament. Mm,
0: that's that and that they were out spicy. to get me.
1: That was spicy.
2: Wasn't it your idea for Brandon to tweet?
1: No, it was not mine. I don't know.
2: You, you wrote our records. You're like, every, this is how everybody's doing.
1: It might have been mine, and I might have shot myself in the foot. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. Brandon physically tweeted it so I'm going to put the blame on Brandon. So
3: what what you you failed to notice was that Brandon is very spiteful when he has to use Twitter. Oh, he actually controls the shuffler on arena.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. He's so, out to get me.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we all know that that shuffler um, is based off of RNG and spite. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, then your Muxus, like, my Muxus hits were inspired by Brandon. That's true.
1: Yeah. That's true. They feed the Muxus. The chair Muxus is sitting in is just tweets. Yes. <laughs> Caroline, you were going to say something.
2: I was going to say that it was really cool at round four of the tournament that Sean was talking about. I think Segoy members only had losses to other Segoy members. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was very yeah. strange. I'm pretty
2: that
0: sure. Was pretty cool. I'm pretty sure that, that's in the team contract.
2: There's four members in the tournament, and I beat one team member, and Eric beat Sean. So, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'm, it, it's in the it's in the team contract now that you can only lose to other Swigoi members, I believe.
1: I think so. Mm. Yeah. That explains
2: yeah. the last few days for me. Yeah.
0: Speaking <laughs> of which, Caroline, how how was the last few days uh, of Magic, or even the past week of Magic, been for you?
2: I rained a couple times, so you know. Yeah. Oh, you the magic? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, geez.
0: Something tells me it was uh, minorly exciting.
2: What What is my time allotment for this segment?
0: Uh, let me see here. Okay, <laughs> judging by have we paid the podcast bill? We have not. So I'm gonna give you a solid somewhere <laughs> between five and thirty-two Sean minutes, which I think is an hour and a half. Uh, or
1: well, I think that calculations pretty
0: accurate yeah okay cool yeah I think we got that about that amount of time before they shut us down here
2: okay well i'll give a quick little summary of my weekend I won't go too much into the deck because that is actually our main topic but um anyway so this weekend was <laughs> it was supposed to be it was planning to be a uh, break from normal things so uh my my house here and another group that we've kind of combined our bubble with, uh, went to a cabin in the woods on Friday evening. Um, we were doing fun things, board games, hanging out, et cetera. It did actually rain a lot. So we were inside a little bit more than we wanted to be. Um, and I realized because we were inside and, you know, it's fun just hanging out with friends. Uh, I did play a couple tournaments. So I did play the CFE Pro Showdown. I lost in the second round. I was like, oh, well, that's good. That's the end of that <laughs> that morning. And then on Sunday, Everybody was up kind of late, and so I was awakened by myself, and I was like, well, if I'm by myself, I'm going to play some magic. <laughs> and so I joined the Mythic Society Arena Community Cup, a historic version, which we have talked about in the past. Um, Sean has talked about it, but we've covered it. We're we're pretty um, connected with this event, um, but I wasn't casting because I was away. And I accidentally let Twitch charge me for a second month of tier two subscription to them, so I was very mad that I got debited for fourteen dollars Canadian. So I was like, I'm going to play this tournament and get my money back. Um, that might be foreshadowing. We'll see. Uh, and so I did that. I, you know, nine a.m. I and no one's awake yet. I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I played this um, mono black Godfathers gift deck that I had found about a week prior. It's something I, I think someone. Uh, someone in our group call was like, hey, Caroline, try this deck, it's really fun. And they were right, like I just loved it and it just makes sense, it just clicked. And so um, I played that deck and I won't go into like super long details, but I will say that with a small asterisk, which I'll get to, I did actually go 10-0 and 0 in matches, which I think is pretty impressive, um, but I'm not sure, we'll see. Uh, so it was seven rounds. I did. I technically have a record of six and one on the tournament website, um, but I happen to know that it's a seven and zero, oh, and maybe someone here can verify that. It's really unclear. Um, nah, not gonna I, happen. And then I I uh, went three uh, zero in the top eight, so I did win a tournament, which is very exciting for what it's worth. Um, not all joking aside, it's like I was gonna say I recommend it, but um, one thing I really do recommend doing is celebrating something with friends. I think that was. Uh, whether it's Discord calls, uh, which I did, or in person, or shouting across the street to your your neighbor. Just find a way to, like, connect with someone and say, hey, that was really cool that I did this cool thing. Because um, I did that, and I really liked it. I ended up my evening in a hammock in the middle of a forest. Unclear if we were breaking anyone's, like, trans- or, uh, trespassing rules, but we still did it anyway. <laughs> and I stared at stars for, like, two hours. It was pretty cool. So, uh overall great weekend. And then just an extra addition, I did actually 40 with a deck tonight as well. So, the Star City event uh qualification is locked up and my record with the deck is 14 and 2. <laughs> so, not bad. Great. Not <laughs> too shabby.
0: I love that um, I love that idea of telling other of like celebrating your victories and not, you know, it's like yes, I, I mean <laughs> You you ask anybody, you're probably not the first person. It's like, oh yeah, Caroline Cavanaugh. All she does is talk about how great she is. No, you're you're very humble about the awesome things that you do. So when you say those things, I'm like, yeah, I want to do the same thing, but I'll do that on my level. So like next time I hit platinum on Magic Arena, I'm just gonna yell at the apartments next to me, just sit there and just be like,
2: yo Mike, I hit plat. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's it. it. I'm not gonna get no, anything back from them.
2: You yourself one thing I'm very bad at is someone, you know, if someone sends a message and says, I think your sweater is great. And I'm always like, your sweater is great too. And a couple of people, personalities in my life have just literally said, stop, <laughs> like just freaking accept the compliment. And I think I did a better job at that this weekend. Um, I did really enjoy it. I got a decent amount of shout outs. I heard rumors of newsletters on CFB. um, I know I've heard some other streamers. Are, I, one thing I will love for what it's worth is there's been so many streamers that are playing this deck list and giving credit to me. It's not super fair because I didn't actually make the deck. Like, no one makes anything, in my opinion. They just come from the internet. I think I got it from Canister. I'm not sure. Um, but I like that, you know, this week it has my name attached to it. So, you know, people are tweeting out, hey, I'm playing at Mighty Linguini's. Yesterday I had to Google translate a tweet from Portuguese to find out what they were saying about my deck list. It was good things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank God about that. But you're also right about, like, the taking compliments and celebrating victories where they are. Because also, here's the thing. We discussed what Conan Hawk was doing and what Sean was doing. Conan Hawk, real quick, what place did you get in Arena Community
3: Cup? Uh... Second, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: Sean, what did <laughs> I'm you... not according to the, the meta breakdown <laughs> website. Yeah. It says you got third.
0: Nice
3: Sucker. Third. Dun dun dun. I lost so bad in the finals that I got third. <laughs>
0: they
2: knocked, you down a <laughs> they spot. knocked
0: you down a spot. And that's what you did over the past weekend. Sean, you talked about your week in magic. Where did you finish on Magic Arena ladder?
1: Uh, <clears throat> Like 4.30, so I was able to qualify for the top 1,200 Mythic Invitational Qualifier Zendikar Weekend. I yeah. think it was, uh, whatever, it's something like that, I don't know. How about Zendikar that? Rising <laughs> Qualifier Weekend. Not too shabby. Nailed shit. it. Yeah, it was nice.
3: I was going to go back to uh, Caroline's thing. So when somebody gives you a compliment, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to pull like a little Han Solo, right? So they'd be like... You are awesome, and you just go. I know. (laughs) That's dope. That's that's. That's what
0: we should do next time, or next time you like have a really great high finish. I want you to just make a tweet about it, and someone's gonna say, "Great job!" Like, oh, that you know your deck looks awesome, and just tweet it back. Just two two words, one period. I know. Yeah. Well, that that. It it was it was one heck of an eventful week uh, on that side of things, and I got to celebrate. You know, if I'm going to celebrate anything, is the fact I got to be back in the casting chair for the first time in almost three months. I want to say since I've casted an event, so I got to cast the Arena Community Cup with uh, with Yu and with uh, our new teammate. Nick, which was a huge, huge amount of fun. And I got to say, it was uh, it was just a fantastic time. Nick was one of our newest team members of Sugoi, and just absolutely outstanding to work with, uh, great on analysis. And I think it was one of his first or very few times that they have casted, and that was fantastic. And of course, always casting with Hayu, who's just like top-notch through and through. Uh, That was one heck of a coverage team. And, you know, we're sitting here and doing coverage and seeing everybody in Sogoi do so well, especially in the early rounds. And as the rounds kept going, y'all just kept winning. And we're kind of, we almost had to be like, hey, it's, listen, we we don't have this rigged. I swear.
2: We had three people in the top eight. Max made top eight as well. Yeah. Max is also a new team member. Easy mode. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So Max actually came from other came from the digital side of Magic. So uh, was a Hearthstone player, War, World of Warcraft player. Um, I think maybe even says uh, the leg, Legends. I don't know whatever. He's played a lot of no the one that's defunct. Um, anyway, so he's played a lot of stuff, and so he found Magic. And this is actually his first Magic copy. He had no idea. Like he's like, so I think I'm dead, and we we're like, well. The math is like sketch like you might be okay and he's like what do you mean the math what do you like what does that mean what are tiebreakers um and so we got to explain that to him i actually beat max in this tournament as well um as i did to conan a couple times i mean sorry moving on <laughs> My bad.
0: so along with celebrating victories it's also throwing dirt on the graves of yeah. your opponents <laughs> All at the same time just reminding him oh and yes i also beat you Oh, well, there will be plenty of reminders for that as we continue on uh, just dominating tournaments, tournament scenes just left and right. And hopefully I'll just be in the casting chair watching y'all just kill it. And hopefully, well, there won't be a lot uh, of that going on for the next week because, well, it's Labor Day weekend. So there's not a whole lot going on in the world of magic, but we will touch on it briefly as we get to the news so other things uh about the news if there's if you're looking at stuff that's going on uh the star city championship qualifier is going to be on monday and there is a chance that there could also be a uh, a sunday event does anyone have the information on that
2: I'm Googling it. You should have talked slower. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: Well, this is where I vamp. So, when we talk about vamping, so the Star City Championship qualifier, Sean, uh, talk a little bit about that because I do believe you are qualified for that, correct?
1: Yeah, you have to um, play in these little qualifiers for the qualifier tournament. So, both Caroline and myself are actually qualified for the tournament on Monday. I'm not sure if Caroline's playing, but literally hours ago, Caroline qualified with the God Pharaoh's gift deck. And I qualified with my Bant deck that I played on Sunday.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah, just a couple of 4 O's, and all of a sudden you jump it. So it's like, it's a qualifier to get to this qualifier. If you do well in this qualifier, there's like a championship event that you go on to?
1: Yeah. So if you, I don't know what you have to do, but if you like do well in this event, you qualify for their like end of the season championship, which is like a big cash tournament.
2: My bad. I can't read emails. It's, it's not this weekend. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Oh, got the other event that we thought about, the NRG series event. NR- it's
2: event on is. the thirteenth, sorry.
0: Well, depending on when this comes out, you never know. You might just feel lazy and not release it for you oh, know two no. weeks. Just I, sit back.
2: I, I'm gonna oh. I was I was about to tweet out cause someone asked me for a deck guide and I was gonna tweet out this episode. So we gotta get it going. I don't wanna make a Patreon. Yeah, there
0: we go. <laughs> That's going to be important. We're going to give out all the deckheads for that. But there is, yeah, in a couple of weeks, there's an Energy Series online trial and legacy, but that's going to be on September 13th. We can talk about that later. But if you uh, want to get more information, check out Star City Games and look out their championship qualifier qualifier to see if you can also perhaps compete against the mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, or Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. But that is the news around events, but there's also... Uh, Just a little bit of news in the world of Magic the Gathering in the way of, oh, I don't know, Zendikar Rising is uh, officially announced and started to get spoiled and showcased a whole bunch of different news that's out there. But uh, I would just love for all y'all, like, what are some things that really stand out to you? Uh, For me, it was just the fact of seeing stuff like the... Uh, the modal, the modal DFCs, the dual facing cards where they had ones like the dual lands where it is, you know, it's swamp on one side, it's a plains on another. And so when you play it, you choose which one, flip it to that and then put it out there. But there's a whole bunch of other kind of dual facing cards out there. They had a whole bunch of other pieces that was super psyched as well. So that was, that was something that I was like, yes, that seems awesome. I'm really excited about all of those things. Um, But I'm interested to, to know, like, are there any cards that surprised you are there any other announcements from today that you loved as well caroline let's start with you
2: yes uh lotus cobra <laughs> i wanted to go first because i knew everyone else would say it too um i am shocked that that card is going to be in the format with just uro and growth spiral and historic with explore and just it's too much stop
0: <laughs> well like can we all be in agreement that that green really needed the help
3: yeah i don't <laughs> no. think that green uh had enough things to put lands into play and utilize them exactly they um, were so starting
2: yeah. i got Lotus Cobra. Y- y'all can complain about something else
3: oh I'm, are we complaining about things <laughs> no 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 concerned? we get this uh, was this is to, to celebrate but we can also I, celebrate so, complaining
2: oh, I, I, did, I think that card was amazing i loved it and like, <laughs> so i'm in
3: i going into this podcast uh unsurprisingly was very uh down on the set um as my as Eeyore of our podcast.
2: Can I cite an example of why you were down on the set?
3: Uh is it because I hate to party?
2: No, it's because there was a message this morning that was like, Oh, party actually looks pretty good. And then an hour later, just kidding, it sucks. Chainslings are only one thing. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. It was very Eric. I loved it.
3: But um so what the nice thing is, is they just spoiled a card, like literally as this podcast had been going on. I made sure it was official spoiler, and it was a, it is official spoiler. It is up on Twitter. Um, and I don't know the language that it's in, uh, but it gets translated to roughly Hellhound of Akum. Um, it is one red. It is a creature elemental dog. It is a zero one for one red mana, and it says Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Hellhound of a Coombe gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So for those that played the original Zendikar the first time around, there was a card called Steplinks. This is literally red Steplinks. It is word for word, uh, outside of the creature type, it is word for word the same same, uh, card. Um, This one's going to be a little worse because the original Fetchlands were in or that, that not the, the original Zendikar had Fetchlands. Um, this one doesn't have Fetchlands. We have, like, Fable Passage. So it's going to be a little worse. It's not going to have, like, the huge jumps like the, like, Steplinks would. Um, but this is a real card. Like, play it on one, attack your, like, play a land, attack your opponent for two. Um, it gets really bad late in the game, but this thing can hit your opponent for a ton of damage, especially if there's, like, a good, um, like, previously we had, like, a Tarka Red, um there was like a Tarkus command where it could give like you know you could choose two modes and one of them was like deal damage the other one's like drop a land into play if you could do something like that where it's like maybe shock plus put a land into play that might be too good or something but i don't know like that's like something a tarkos man could do then this card could actually just do a ton of damage which is like pretty sweet
0: so does that mean if you know if it's turn four and you have this in play you play a fabled pat? so say you're playing Gruul, you, mm-hmm. you- do a fabled passage that's a landfall crack it get another land that's a second landfall
3: yes uh one of the things that i did want to bring up um i was going to bring it up later but i'm going to bring it up now because it's it's kind of topical fabled passage is going to be a very important card in this set and it's also going to be very important when you fetch with fabled passage um because landfall like is going to have multiple triggers uh for instance like putting an extra loyalty on your Nissa, because that was like one of the cards that people were talking about, um, making more damage with this card, being able to like just like trigger any landfall ability. You're not like just, you shouldn't just fetch just to fetch in the set. Uh, once the set comes out, you should you should make sure that, you know, you're fetching with a purpose a lot of the times. So, like if you don't need this mana, don't fetch, right? Um, similarly, if you don't need the mana, don't play the land out of your hand, right? Because it's going to be like, it might trigger something later on right? Like you can hold on to, you know, like a lot of the times right now, everybody holds into their last one, their last land. There might be times where you want to hold on to like two or three lands just so that you can utilize cards like the, the hellhound here.
0: Like, I like that. That's some spiciness there. That's some good stuff. Sean, what do you, what did you dig so far from the day?
1: Yeah, there's two main cards that I'm excited for one, a little less so, but I'm going to touch on it anyway. Um, I think this card, not a hundred sure, is going to get played, but like, confounding conundrum it's a one to blue enchantment when it enters the battlefield you draw a card already like drawing cards pretty nice um but whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn they return a land they control to their hand so essentially this is stopping people from turboing out lands with uro with growth spiral with uh effects like that um, so I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, Standard and Historic have been um, pretty much growth spiral based for a while now. And while this card might not get played, um, I am pretty excited that they are keeping it in mind that these decks are like a huge part of the problem. Um, so they at least care a little bit. Um, the card I'm actually the most excited for so far is adjacent to the card I'm excited for, but... Um, I'll just give an example. It's this black card. It's two and a black. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a card from it with converted mana cost three or greater. That player discards that card. So little not great. I don't know if you uh, were playing, but there used to be a card called Appetite for Brains that we used to play. Did basically the same thing. Wasn't that great, but we played it out of necessity. But this is a card that also has a secondary function, which is it can be a land, which is just like, absurd i think so certain matchups you think the duress is really good you play it as a spell matchups where it's bad you just get to play it as a land they haven't spoiled the blue one yet i'm sure the blue one's going to be bad but i'm excited to see what it's going to be um but yeah these flip these this space that they're developing which is these lands that flip back and forth is a really cool space for them to be developing in so i'm excited to see where the rest of the set goes with these flip lands
3: Yeah, Yeah, it should actually be really interesting to see how decks are constructed. Because, like, if you do play that land, right, that land spell, do you play, say, like, you're a blue-black control deck, right? Yeah, am I playing 32
1: lands? (laughs) Well,
3: that's the thing, right? Are you, (laughs) like, so take the flip cards out of it, right? Say those are spells, right? Are you playing 24 lands? Yeah. And then playing four flip cards, so you're playing 27 lands? Or do you play, like, the normal, like, 26 lands, and those and play like 30 lands right yeah it's going to be interesting to see how how that does and like if that means that the control decks actually can cut lands because they can flip their spells into them would be kind of interesting that way too
1: yeah do you remember when snapcaster mage was made as an invitation who was the character that tiago chan? tiago chan okay so tiago chan what is he? he won an invitational to get a card right yeah his original card idea was a land that countered spells and it like flipped or something crazy like that. That's what made me think of this cycle. I was like, what if our blue land is like four mana counter spell, but it's also a land on the backside. Like, woof, man, that would be. Yeah, crazy. he wanted
3: the, the card that he wanted, I think, uh, ended up turning into like essentially Teleria West. He wanted like a come into play tap blue land, but you could pay three and cancel
1: okay sure and, like
3: discard it from your hand like that card might be a little too good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i don't know maybe we'll see it the set who knows
1: yeah I don't, I don't know like the blue one knowing where wizards is at they're probably going to be trash but i am very excited to see what the blue one's going to be well yeah. maybe i don't know have they spoiled any of the other lands like lands the, the, the,
3: the first one they spoiled was valakut awakening that oh, was yeah, the red and in two right. instant it yeah. says you can put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library then draw that many cards plus one or yeah. it comes into play tapped as is, is, is a red mana. That yeah. one's, like, very solid.
1: Yeah, that one's um, good, I think.
3: Yeah, like, it doesn't... You can't throw it in the graveyard, which is, like, very safe. <laughs> it's a safe thing to do. Uh, like Otherwise, some crazy stuff might happen from that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the very worst, it's three mana draw card. Um, And then, you know, like, if your hand is full of lands, you can just throw away all the lands or spells that are bad or whatever. You can throw those away. So it's, like, it's pretty nice. And it's instant speed. Yeah. Uh, which makes it very good.
1: Also, notably, this cycle of lands so far they're non, they're not basic land typed, so yes. they're all just lands. So they, if you play this land, your Glacial Fortress doesn't come into play untapped.
3: Yeah. So
1: not sure if that's going to end up mattering. I mean, it, it's a there's a deck building cost there, so.
3: I think they're they're incredibly good for historic though. Um, I really wish there was like a Boros one. Uh, doesn't look like there's a Boros one yet, but I think in. Uh, in Historic, they'll be very big because one of the things that we're missing in Historic that's different than like Pioneer is that you um, You're missing like the like the the pain lands, right? Mm-hmm. So these can be like kind of in that in that spot uh, We were hoping like a lot of people were hoping for like the fast lands or something similar
1: yeah. um,
3: But these are these will help those decks out a lot The um,
1: cycle of six is so strange to me <laughs> usually it's a five or ten um, I haven't heard why they're doing six, but it's really weird that
3: it's six to me. Yeah, I will agree with that. Is
0: that the uh, the pathways is what they're called, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 pathway. There is a there is a, a red white needle needle verge pathway,
3: which is red. Is white. there? Yeah. I must yeah, have it's heard red it. white.
1: There's no. Oh, that's awesome. One. Yeah, there's a blue black and a blue red one, and that's the extent of the blue ones. Um, but it's not like, normally it's like allied or enemy lands. It's not mm-hmm. that. Normally it's something like that or just all 10 of them. But right now we just have six of them. Is it there no red-black one?
3: There's no red-black one, right? Uh, not that mm-hmm. I see. No, there's okay. no
1: red-black one.
3: I was wondering if they just like made sure that they got them all in the aggro colors. Because like those are the ones that needed the most.
1: Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the blue-red one's going to be like good in, not, not in standard or historic but the blue red one is like kind of cool like in the art Blade phoenix style decks in pioneer too yeah.
3: yeah
0: what is uh the one thing i at least enjoyed about from seeing some of these spots especially with the the confounding conundrum that you talked about uh sean was I, i'm just glad that it's it's that it's a a good effect for stopping some of those land decks but also that it's two mana because in my experience yeah. i'm used to that thing coming up be like here's confounding conundrum it's gonna stop all the landfalls how much does it cost it
1: costs five and a blue
3: yeah. Yeah. Being or, cheap, you can
1: play it before Uro comes down. Yeah.
3: Or it's like a 1-1 for like one white in a colorless. Yeah. <laughs> you're it's, like, why okay. is this? What's yeah. going on? <laughs>
1: A one-two that flies and has has lifelink, too, for some
0: reason. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Well, there was a whole lot that came out with the uh, the Zendikar announcements, including some other things, just kind of giving a preview for the year, uh, for the next year or so in Magic the Gathering. So they, they kind of talked about where the new standard stats are going to be. So you had uh, Kaldheim, which is a Viking-themed set, is going to be coming out. Strixhaven, which kind of involves uh, different five different colleges that had... Uh, that are all kind of competing for different things. They announced that instead of a core set or in place of the next core set, they're going to have a Dungeons and Dragons theme set, which is super awesome. And then finally they announced two whole sets for the last one. They're going to have two whole sets of Innistrad coming out, which one will be werewolves theme and one will be vampires theme. That's everything like involved standard there, which I thought was super, super awesome. And then um, Time Spiral is going to be a paper-only set, and then the other paper-only set is going to be Modern Horizons 2. Which is going to be really cool. Well, I, don't, they, I know they said Time Spiral was paper only. They didn't explicitly state, I don't think, that Modern Horizons two was going to be paper only. So
3: maybe they're... I would assume that it's going to be a Moto set, right?
1: Yeah. The next thing they're doing is bringing Pioneer and going to mobile on Arena. Yeah, Modern yeah, yeah. Just they So do. impossible. And they
3: flashed the mobile, the
0: mobile client as well. They flashed the the mobile client from day nine, just real briefly, so everyone was kind of taking a look at that okay. little screenshot.
2: Hold on. Let's be clear that they flashed a video of someone playing Arena.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't actual <laughs> Arena happening.
2: they played an Arena app on this yeah,
0: phone. That was a green screen yeah. effect that they placed Arena into, but at least it looked like a. It, no, it had... it's
2: just a video. You could, I could show you Arena on my phone. But it's yeah, very easy. But what I'm,
0: <laughs> but what I'm saying is that you at least looked at the UI. They gave a, a hint of what the UI might look like in the in the mobile client.
3: Okay, the one fair. thing that does worry me is like a lot of people, you know, make the joke on Twitter where it's like. I have, you know, like, like take my historic deck, right? Kranko. W- what happens when I have to attack with twenty-seven tokens? Or like, what happens if you want to block twenty-seven tokens? Or like, what we had happen in our in our um, what's the standard uh, commander thing? Brawl. Brawl. Yeah, when we were playing the brawl thing, and I made how you draw a thousand cards. That just like, the like, there's no way that would happen on my phone.
0: Well, I mean, it could. It just immediately drains the battery, like at the same time. Like, what happened? Well, I got expansion explosion, then then my phone died. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Like, yeah. Somebody in our in our, uh, I think it was Sean actually in our in our Discord was like talking about, um, Patron Warrior. So for those those people that have played Hearthstone before, Patron Warrior like had, um, there was actually times where the animations took so long that like sometimes like you when you passed your turn. Um, that the animations were still happening on your opponent's turn.
1: Yeah. And, also just, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that, like, the one thing Hearthstone has was there's a seven-minion maximum. So at most, there's only ever 14 minions on the battlefield. With Hearthstone or with Magic, I mean, I've had 200 minions on the battlefield, or creatures on the battlefield before. So, like, when you were at Hearthstone, you were, like, dragging to, like, attack as fast as possible. So I don't see how that's going to happen to Magic, but I don't know. What do you have to say, Eric?
3: I'm going to call BS. You, There's no way you ever had 200 creatures at, at the same time. I don't think you've ever had 200 creatures over the course of the history of your playing Magic.
2: John, we're not talking about 200 unplayable cards. We're talking about 200 Oh, cars. okay.
3: Him, okay.
1: Oh, that's the difference. Got it. So I think... I think I've had sixty in play before with like tokens. Play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, exactly. That's a good point. I've I've had over forty zombies before. Nice.
0: <laughs> See, I think all I've learned if we're talking about how Hearthstone's mobile client works in animations and time. So what we're saying is we need to add Nos Dormu to Magic the Gathering Arena. All right. Was Which, that the uh, yes. one? That was, yeah. a, that was an eight mana, eight, eight dragon where you have 15 seconds to take your turn. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That one was awful. There was like a bug with, there You could, like, Oh, it's still bugged. It's still you bugged. You can lock your opponent out of the turn. Yes. She was like, oh, not, command- only,
0: not only that, you can lock yourself out of your own next turn because it's <laughs> still bugged.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
0: Well, between seeing the new standard sets, we looked at, uh, they kind of announced Time Spiral 2. They made some mention of fetch lanes coming in other sets or being box toppers and other things like that. But there was it was a whole lot of announcements, a whole lot of pieces there. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what else we see coming out of Zendikar Rising that's going to make the shifts to both uh, standard, historic, and otherwise, which should be a lot of fun as well. And I know when we see a bunch of those new cards come out, we're going to be adding them to our decks and we're going to be trying to make an impact on the competitive game in whichever form that we play it most often, probably still an arena because of the times that we're in. But when that happens, well, I'm pretty sure the three other people on this podcast are going to be competing and judging by this past weekend, probably winning. Uh, a lot of different things that are out there uh, in the competitive world. And so we kind of want to take a second to kind of take stock at where we're at right now. Zendikar is great, but let's also look at what the, the, the hotness is right now, and that is the historic format. And we have three individuals here who did decidedly pretty well over the last few days with the historic format. We have some winning events, others coming in second, others qualifying for other events at the same time. And so this is a good opportunity to kind of look at the historic competitive metagame and kind of look at what if what is the Tier 1 decks, how things shift, is this a more dynamic format than others? Uh, that's what I'm interested in knowing. And so, Caroline, as the person who uh, got to take this Mono Black God Pharaoh's Gift deck for a whirl and then take a first place and otherwise with it, why don't you give us a kind of a breakdown of what, what you liked about the deck and also what you saw in it that was really good for the metagame?
2: Uh, Yeah, sure. So I found the deck uh, early last week. I think it was Canister that might have been streaming it, but it came across my desk. Um, It originally at the time had two crater hoofs in the side, er, sorry, in the main deck, Um, but the deck was mono black. Uh, So the plan was the crater hoofs would have to get into the graveyard somehow um, and then therefore returned with God Pharaoh's gift. There was no casting plan of any sorts to cast that card um and that was fun i have to admit the first couple games i think the the the, i think a big indicator that the deck was fun and did well was that i played it on the ladder last week because i was qualified already and i wasn't anywhere close to mythic so that i was in platinum or whatever but the fact that i was just playing magic for no reason indicated at least to my friends being like, this must be something. Like, Caroline does not do this. Trust me. I worked very hard to not have to play the latter. Um, And I didn't. I went three on. That was a joke. Um, anyway, moving on. So I was playing and I, I made it to Diamond and I climbed up Diamond and I'm like, this deck is amazing. Um, but coming into the weekend, I... I have to admit, there's no secret. I didn't just like sit down with a spreadsheet and a pencil and go, okay, well, if this person plays this thing, and then this person plays this deck, and then I'll play this deck. No, none of that happened. I literally got up Saturday morning. was like, I love this deck and, and registered it for CFP as a free event. Um, and then same thing Sunday morning. I was like, ah, I need to get my $13 back from the Mythic Society. <laughs> what deck should I play? Oh, this deck I love. So unfortunately, I can't give you any secrets to my metagaming other than a secret I've been saying for a long time. I know that I've talked to Eric and Sean and Brasky and anyone that will listen. Please just play what you want to play. <laughs> um, I think maybe an asterisk on standard is not really great for that, at least not currently. Um, but larger formats like historic, pioneer, modern, legacy, vintage, they really, really allow for you to master a deck. And I think deck mastering is a is a huge advantage. Um, there are definitely gonna be tournaments that you go O2. Uh, And that's fine. Um, But the tournaments that you win or the tournaments that you do well in, you're going to just feel like I did it. I had the best day with my thing and I did well. And I think that that is worth it. I'm not saying you should never metagame. Like obviously, you know, take the time. If you have the skills and you can do all your metagaming, go for it. But if you're over here and you want to sign up for a tournament because you love the deck that you were playing on the ladder, just do that. Like have fun. I don't know. That's what I did. So... Other than the, that fact that I did just random into a great deck, um, I will I will say one some of the reasons it's doing well right now uh, is a card called Careful. This might this might cause some controversy, so everybody sit down before we we go here.
0: All right, I'm sitting.
2: Thank you. There's a card called Graft Digger's Cage, and it's a one mana artifact. <laughs> Eric, sit down. The joke's not funny if they can't see you. <laughs> Um, So, Grafdigger's Cage is a one-mana artifact that stops strategies that put cards in from either Graveyard or your deck. Um, And it is generally a well-liked Graveyard hate card because it stops things like Goblins that's putting things from their deck. And it stops things like the Red-Black Pyromancer deck that's putting things from their Graveyard. So, it's a little two-for-one option in your sideboard. So... That card is very popular right now. I'm not meaning to talk down to people. I'm just explaining what... This is important in a second. So this is a very popular sideboard card. And generally when you build a sideboard, you want to have cards that interact with people's graveyards and or deck. So you say like, you'll just have graveyard hate cards is a common phrase you'll hear. um, And you have to have them in all formats. And this one currently in historic is is Jigger's Cage. Interestingly enough, (laughs) god pharaoh's gift which is the card i'm sneaking into play um using a card called gate to the afterlife um it, while at seven mana i sneak it in for two mana and it's great it exiles a card in my graveyard and makes a token on the battlefield of that card That's a four four it's a, it's an old um mechanic from uh help me out <laughs> i All failed
1: devastation, i believe
2: thank you from from the almond collect, almond cat block right um and so it doesn't care about Digger's Cage. The card Godfair's Gift and the card Gate to the Afterlife, which both put things into play for free, one being Godfair's Gift, does not care. Digger's Cage does not stop those cards. And guess what? My deck is doing that. <laughs> my deck has other things which we can debate till the end of Kingdom comes, and I have, for what it's worth. The cards that it cares about are those sets of cards, and Digger's Cage does not stop that. So, that does mean right now is a good time for my deck, because... People have graveyard hate against other decks and my, it doesn't hit mine. So they have to go to other strategies, which is, includes sweepers or removal, which they had, like Cry the Canarian was around, removal was around, abrades were around. You know, I'm not saying that everybody was caught off guard, um, but that was a huge advantage I got, was that A, Graff Cage was around, and B, which is the second part of the story, people brought it in against me all the freaking time. On the ladder, it was constant. It's constantly coming in against me. And that actually was a sort of a negative sign for me. I'm like, oh no, maybe this deck isn't as good as I think. People just haven't adjusted to it yet, aka they didn't learn that it doesn't work. Um, but I played it anyway, which we know. Uh, I will say that in the tournament, people definitely cast Graphicus Cage against me. Um, I felt bad. I understand that it's in your sideboard and it, you know, graveyard must work. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Um, there are two cards where it does stop, it does stop the search effect. Of Fiend Artisan, so you cannot tutor for a creature. Um, it does not, however, make it any smaller for what it's worth. Still a big Fiend Artisan. Um, and it does stop returning a Woe Strider. I have decided, you cannot talk me out of it, that those effects are not worth me not having got uh, Grafter's Gage. So. That's a long-winded way of saying I have Grafter's Cage in my own sideboard. <laughs> I bring it in with joy against Red Black and uh, against Goblins, and I'm very excited to. Um, it's very fun to play a Stitcher Supplier mirror and know that your one-mana artifact hate is great and theirs is not. <laughs> uh, it's a very satisfying feeling. Um, and so that debate really came up a lot this week. And I, I literally got, I was so embarrassed for myself, but I got it in a Twitch argument, which you should never do anybody. If you're ever getting in a Twitch argument, just turn off your, debate. maybe
0: do it once, uh, just yeah, get into one Twitch argument. That's it.
2: So really quick sidetrack. I basically, I'm getting in a Twitch argument, you know, everyone's saying, but it stops. Well, actually, and I'm like, Oh, whatever. So then we're watching this match. And, and the deck that I played actually did make top eight of the CFP event as well. Um, You know, a couple minutes had passed. Obviously, the argument is done. It is this is all my fault. And I look over, and the black uh, mono black player has two fiend artisans in play. They're both 15 15s, and our opponent is at 13. And they only have one blocker. So you know, unless they can have removal, we're we're running away with this game. And I write in chat like I I should not. I just write, "Wow, (laughs) graph diggers cage would be so good here." And then I go dot dot dot. Oh wait, never mind. And as I wrote that, um, Sam comes just happened to come in the room, sees my chat and goes, "Holy cow, why are you being so salty?"
0: <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't call that salty, but I would definitely call it I would call it shady. You're just throwing shade at everybody. It's like, "Oh, I
2: boom." So I was He was totally right though. He caught me in this stupid moment where I was yelling at the, this Empty screen to myself, and I was just being this salt salt bag. For no- who cares if people think it's good? I know it's not. <laughs> Why do I have to justify myself? But anyway, it was funny. It was it was enjoyable. Long story short, the deck is good because of that. Um, I also think that the deck is. Ex- I don't want to say like I don't want to say it in the sense like oh you won't understand this deck because I'm super smart. That's not the case. Trust me, I don't understand the deck either. But the deck is very complicated. Um, the cards that matter a lot are. Phyrexian Tower, you have to really erase the concept of land from your head and instead think, "Ooh, free dark ritual (laughs) Um, and use that in terms of when you're using the uh, Phyrexian Tower as a land drop. You have to plan out kind of turns ahead, like when you're going to play one to maybe take advantage of having two in play. Um, that's something you need to think a little bit about. Same with uh, castle; you can activate castle a little bit earlier than you think you can with tower and and all this stuff. So, uh, tower is a pretty big part of your of your game plan and your busted draws. I think I turned three a godfathers gift against someone in the tournament using tower, um, and it was probably my coolest thing that weekend. I'm, I'm not sure. And then Breaker. So there's a bit of a tension in the deck between the zombie side of things. So there's Uh, Cryptbreaker and Lazatov Reaver and other cards that make zombies, which draw you cards with Cryptbreaker, which is awesome. And then there's the kind of powerful creatures that are like one or two ofs, um, like Chupacabra and um, Massacre Worm and all this stuff. And so there's, there's a bit of a tension. Like if you have a Crypt Breaker draw, you kind of have to go in on that. If you have a Gate draw, you have to go in on that. And you have to be willing to be able to adjust between those draws. Like you might have a cryptbreaker Breaker start, but suddenly you have Tower and, and Gate on turn two, and you have to just sack the cryptbreaker. Breaker. And I think that's really hard for people to do. Um, it's hard to give up value. Uh, same with like just playing a Priest out, um, but sacking creatures that you wouldn't really think are good to sack. Um, because one thing to note is worst case scenario, you have seven creatures in your graveyard and your fiend artisan is an 8-8, eight eight, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot to be learned about what to give up on. Um, and I, I think magic players are sort of bad at that. We're very attached to, we know this is is a very good card and therefore should stick around plan. Um, and we might give up on some lines. Um, tower's got some crazy stuff. Oh, you have to be super careful with tower too. Um, not only is it a very powerful card, it's also extremely programmed or extremely poorly programmed in Arena, uh, in the sense that here's a scenario that will, will come up more than any other scenario. You have four lands in play, swamp, 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 tower, and you have you don't have six cards, six uh, creatures in your graveyard, but you're likely to get there with like say a Stitcher supplier in play. So you want to play your gate you're like, wow, I'm really excited. So what you would do is you would tap Swamp, 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 play your gate. In a normal paper magic, you would then tap your Phyrexian Tower, uh, sack your Stitcher Supplier uh, to make two black. That would give you a couple of different triggers. One, you'll draw a card with gate and loot. So that's one creature going into the graveyard. Two, the Stitcher Supplier is going into the graveyard. So that's two creatures. And up to three creatures from the supplier mill. So you could go, you could, in theory, in a perfect world, you get five creatures in your yard from just that one sack. Um, It is not perfect, you know, it doesn't always work, but that's pretty cool. And then you use that two mana and boom, flip, and you're back in business with Godfair's Gift. However, on Arena, if you don't have a two drop in your hand, and you don't already have six creatures in your graveyard... Arena will say, hey, cool, you played a three-mana artifact. Uh, would you like to go to, or would you like to attack? Because you're done. You have nothing else to do. And it just brings you straight into Declare Attackers. Um, so what you need to do is when you tap Swamp, 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 Gate, um, before you, as you cast Gate, hold Control, then you resolve the Gate, tap the Phyrexian Tower, make your two-mana, and then you're good to go. Then you can untap Control um, and, and go out of control, full control mode, and, and go about your turn. Um, and I have to say, like, that's a very specific plan. And I, and I know that sounds like kind of weird, but you actually just have to be aware of Rexing Tower doing that a lot. Um, there are cards, you know, if you have a Woe Strider in play, you're always okay. Uh, if, you a, Priest, you're um, if you have an active Priest, you're fine. If you have an active Crypt Breaker, you're okay. But you, sh- you just need to be aware, like, moral of the story is just check. Will my Phyrexian Tower screw me? Um, And I totally forgot to talk about this earlier. Uh, The same goes for Skirt Prospector, Eric. There's actually like a error that I think is pretty bad um, in Arena right now with with Skirt Prospector. Uh, So it's in the same vein. Basically Skirt Prospector lets you sack a goblin to make mana. Uh, If you're in a stage, let's say you're on your opponent's turn, you have a bunch of goblins in play, and Oscura Prospector, and they cast uh, Massacre Worm, in a proper game of magic, in a paper game of magic, you could say in response, I'll sack all my goblins and make 10 red mana, which is not great, you still lose all your goblins. <laughs> uh, but then Massacre Worm will come in and the trigger will grow on the stack and you will not lose any life. In Arena, it goes, oh, a card's on the stack and you don't have any, anything to do with your mana, okay, we're not gonna let you do anything with your mana. And then they kill all your creatures with, with Phyrexian Obliterator, or sorry, <laughs> gosh, uh, Massacre Worm. Um, there isn't a ton of ways to get around this. Like you can't hit control soon enough, but just because like if an opponent casts a spell and you don't have priority, it will just auto resolve. So what you kind of need to do is like, on an opponent's upkeeps that might have mana to cast Massacre Worm that turn, you need to like give a stop in your upkeep and a stop, and then you can put a stop in their main phase. It's really brutal. I don't really know. I don't have a great solution. But moral of the story is, Phyrexian Tower and mana producing creatures are causing some issues in arena. That was a big derail. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but still, yeah, you know, it's. I mean, you basically just kind of gave a, a huge deck guide about like how to not only just kind of operate the deck and things and interactions to think about, but also how to navigate the the client of Magic Arena if you're gonna play certain decks like this which is cool as well I think um,
2: I, I, could, I could talk for another like hour and a half but I, I hope that's enough um, you, you're you always welcome to tweet at me um, or join my discord and bug me I don't know the deck's really fun
0: heck yeah and then if you know oh. I think
2: <laughs> sorry one more thing this is really important <laughs> I like to message my opponents on melee and say good luck GLHF good luck have fun uh <laughs> And one opponent this weekend messaged me back GL, which is just good luck. Which I thought was very unfair. Because one, you're already giving me the good luck. That's the part people hate anyway. And two, don't tell me if I'm not going to have fun. Because I'm definitely going to have fun. Have you seen my deck list? So I was mad at that person being like, don't have fun in your deck. I, your deck.
3: I had a friend of back in the day whose moto name was Destroyer of GL. and the reason was is that he he's like a very realistic i don't know realist i don't know what that what that is but basically he was just he broke it down and was just like why would i tell my opponent good luck i want to win so i want them to have no luck
2: um very very blunt
3: in that so
2: (laughs) you know it's funny eric i actually have a friend who said the exact same phrase different friend i promise and over about a course of three months, it came up at various times in conversation, enough people convinced this person really about the fact that your words good luck do not give your opponent luck. Like, let's be real. They don't actually grant any more or any less luck than you were going to get in the event. And that the equity you get from being a friendly, presentable person by saying, oh yes, you too, or hey, good luck in this thing is way higher than being whatever what if you what if you
3: like what if you were like okay say good luck to me
2: i i should say like really like seriously though this person now says it and understands why they should say it and it was a huge thing it was this person does not back down from many arguments so i was very proud of them
3: all right so what if you were like good luck and then i'd go thank you very much that is very appreciated
2: that's what this person did yeah But we like we had to be like you seriously don't have, like you're burning so much social equity by just trying to be accurate as possible.
0: That's some, you're literally
2: the well actually guy. <laughs> that's
0: some third that's some third brain competitive theory right there as well as discussing uh, the place of rhetoric in equity <laughs> as you oh, compete yeah. in card game tournaments.
1: Oh yeah. I used to when I was uh, a little a younger bloke, people would tell me good luck, have fun. I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I do what I
0: want. Oh man. <laughs>
2: Do that. that's
0: oh, back thanks. when you were That's back when you were 26 <laughs> <laughs> well sean, sean when you were uh you know coming at this you, know, you started off 3-0 and then obviously uh a, a mixture of, a mixture of bad luck and and twitter uh just derailed your plans there but you were on uh bant if i'm not mistaken which i think was the most represented deck there really it was just you know it was blue green plus name a color was kind of the what the tournament meta Appeared to be in terms of representation of decks down there, and so playing that specific deck. Do you think that that deck was was all that it was cracked up to be? How'd you feel that you piled it, and do you think that it's it's blue green plus something that kind of dictates what a lot of tournaments are going to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels like right now a lot of it's just you have like two point five decks. You have like the blue green decks, which are salty band. We'll put those in the same pile. Then you have like the other decks, which are like goblins and then kind of like Caroline's deck is like goblins adjacent where it's not really an aggro deck, but it's like kind of like a combo deck. Um, so it's really a, most of the decks in Historic right now that kind of, and there's also like mono red, other stuff too, but those are the main, and Black Red, those are the main parts of Historic right now. I like the Bant deck because it's the blue-green deck, has the power of Growth Spire Uro, checks those boxes, and... I value growth spot or value wrath of god and teferi a lot more than I value foxes and nissa and extinction event that the black deck gets. Um, and then also, like Caroline was talking about, Graph Digger's Cage not very good against the God Pharaoh's gift deck, but in white, you get to play Rest in Peace, which is Graph Digger's Cage on steroids, it's good against. The black-red deck, it's good against Caroline's God Pharaoh's gift deck. I mean, like, Caroline still has, like, don't get me wrong. Caroline can still, like, play a 3-2 and, like, still kill me. Like, that's, you know, that's still problematic. But it shrinks the Fiend Artisans. It stops God Pharaoh's gift from working. does a lot of good things. And then I also just get a bunch of, like, random stuff, like Elspeth Conker's Death and Timely Reinforcements, which um I'm a, I am just like the white sideboard cards a lot more than the black sideboard cards. So um this – Monday, I guess I'll be playing Bant again. I'm uh, feeling really good about my, where the deck's at. So I'm pretty excited. I
0: like that. Did you, did you, so in terms of like the Bantness of your deck, are you going to make any changes to it? Or is there something you want to, you know, mess around? <laughs> something you want to Oko around with in the sideboard? What else you want to do? <laughs> um, I've
1: been messing around with like, I was playing like a Teferi's Ageless Insight uh, on Sunday and Monday. Um, not 100% sure I'd need it. Not sure what it's going to end up being. Right now, it's a second Elspeth conquers Death. Might just end up being, like, another counter spell. It might end up being something else, but don't think we need the Angel's Insight. And then I did clean up the sideboard a little bit. Uh, I want to play a third Rest in Peace, and then um, I'm just going to move the fourth Shark Typhoon to the main deck, because I boarded it in, like, almost every round.
0: All right, though that's a good move there. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the band deck. the Bant and the Sultai lists were the two things I probably had the most experience with, and that was what I was expecting the most of. And then I remember like me and uh, and Nick talking about it in the top eight, going, "Well, and now we get to uh, the matchup that everybody was expecting right now: Mono Black God Pharaoh's Gift versus like Mono Blue Tempo." <laughs> Just going as, as as predicted by probably everyone. That's where we're at with yeah. that stuff.
2: Hey, that was a good matchup.
0: It was a very good matchup.
2: I I had to play. That was kind of wild. That game. That was they a- had like multiple uh, lofty denials, and I had to really use big brain plays to figure out how to get how to get through those.
0: Yeah, watching those big brain plays was was maybe my number two favorite part about casting this past weekend. My number Is that- one favorite part. My number one favorite part was watching the rolls of the goblin deck that that Eric was playing with. It was one of my favorite things, and it just provided me so many opportunities to just lose my shit whenever you would hit
3: an insane I heard, amount of I goblins.
2: Heard you got a, a, a fiver, right? You got five goblins, yeah.
3: one hit. Did you have a sixer? You had a sixer. You had a sixer. I I think I had a sixer. That, that was, was
2: how the- I knew I was going to win the tournament.
3: <laughs> yeah, he had already There's hit a high roll.
2: Because I oh, heard in the, in the semis you hit the fiver, so I was, knew I was locked. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, wow, I can't lose.
3: Can't <laughs> do that again. Yeah,
0: Eric, talk a little <laughs> bit about the about that goblins deck and and some of the nuance that was behind it. Beyond just uh, is it playing Muxis and winning, uh, there was a lot of other cool plays that we saw you do there. And even then, we saw you operate. We saw you operate in a manner of you knew what outs you were playing to. You played to them, and in some ways, really got you a couple extra victories there.
3: Yes, uh, I think the one that you're you're you might be leaning towards, I don't know, I, I haven't gone back and watched it, but I I thought you might be covering it. There was one where I made um what Twitch chat thought was the worst attack in the history of Magic the Gathering. Yes. Um, where I <laughs> I attacked uh like five creatures into four bigger creatures to take two loyalty off of a Vivian. Um For those that don't know, Vivian 4-drop from Standard, uh, when it it can minus five to wish for a creature out of your sideboard, the creature would have been Platinum Angel. My deck literally had zero ways to kill Platinum Angel in the entire original 60. So I had to make this attack and it was the, it was, it took me a little while to gather up the courage to be like, there might be people watching this, but it has to be done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that was like pretty exciting um there's like some cool interesting stuff um i would love to just be like cast muxus do it as often as you can do it as fast as you can um but i think while that is kind of the the long and the short of of how to play with goblins a lot of it has to do with like sequencing um which is nice um basically that is your combo your combo is just cast muxus sometimes your combo is like do some weird stuff with Cranko um but like sometimes you have to know whether or not you can cast skirk prospector say they have chain whirler uh or in carolyn's case uh they have plague mare right um like you don't want to like just like throw out your prospector and be like okay well hopefully nothing bad happens um the prospector is very important so you want to like hold that for like like, a lot of the times the turn that you play it um you'll get two mana from it or three mana from it because your other goblins are in play um so you can like play it on say Five mana or four mana, um, with you know, they have the four lands or whatever. If you have two other goblins, that's six, right? So, two goblins plus the four lands, you tap one of the lands, skirt prospector, sack all three goblins at six mana, you have Moxis. Where if you would have went like, you know, turn one goblin or um, skirt prospector and they kill it, you now you have to wait a much longer. Um, matrons are really tough, uh, sometimes counting uh, cranko math, uh, it, like that's something that you have to get pretty good at. Um, so like, there's like a lot of like ins and outs of the deck, um, but if you do want an oversimplified version, just cast Moxis and hope.
0: Cranko math is that it's. I mean, it's a simplified version of Cranko algebra, and don't even get me started on Cranko calculus.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: um, upkeep stop on a Snoop that revealed Oh yeah. Krenko.
3: Yes. Uh, so the.
2: It. It's an arena thing. You have to do it.
3: Yeah. Uh, there is a couple of uh, pointers. Uh, so Caroline brings up a great point. Um, if you have uh conspicuous snoop um you can activate Cranko on the top of your library uh using the con- like basically you can activate the snoop in play that also by the way gets around uh things like sorcerer spyglass if they sorcerer spyglass your Cranko, you can still activate your snoop because the snoop gains the abilities um oh, and then that's the other cool. thing is that's awesome. yeah so there was a couple of times where you want to activate the snoop and then make tokens but here's another really big one i play with goblin ringleader um so whenever you cast a goblin ringleader you want to hold control um, so you can do that by hit hold like hitting control or control shift. Um, because when the ringleader goes on the stack, um the the ringleader actually goes into play and then the top card is revealed before it does its four cards to reveal. And if it that is a Krenko, you can then activate your Snoop to make tokens with your with your uh, thing. Or you could like if it's a Skirk prospect, you can also make mana. So there's like a couple of things you can do.
2: I was gonna remind people that a prospector on top lets Snoop make mana which no one, I feel like you don't really see because yeah. there's no visual indicator that that really happened. Um, also,
3: there's a really weird thing with that one as well. <laughs> so you can't uh, you can't sacrifice the snoop to cast this prospector off the top of your library and you can't cast this prospector and then uh, onto the stack and then sacrifice, like there's no way you can like basically cast the prospector with the snoop. You have to like sacrifice another goblin or pay mana to cast this prospector because when it's on the stack it's no longer on top of your library to sack for the mana and once you sack it for the mana you can no longer play the top card of your library so just just a couple pointers there man i'm learning so much about some of this stuff
2: there is some shenanigans with um war chief yeah there's some there's definitely shenanigans where you can cast a card more than you think you can oh uh, tower and prospector negate negati- yes so never try and think of the math it you'll
3: never- <laughs> yeah
2: just remember if you have a prospector ignore tower it makes one mana
3: <laughs> yeah um the I think the thing that uh Caroline is, is talking about is you can cast you can declare like muxus uh so if you have a war chief you can declare muxus as a five mana creature and then you could sacrifice the war chief after it's on the stack and it still costs five mana. Thank um, you. That
2: that is exactly what I was trying to say. I didn't really know what it was.
3: <laughs> so it's really weird. So like basically, once you declare it onto the stack, um, it 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 the, the cost is locked in. Um, but if you were to say sacrifice the war chief for mana and then try to cast your muxus, it will cost six mana again. So you do have to like take it from your hand physically, put it over the battlefield, put it onto the stack, and then start sacrificing goblins.
0: Man, there's there's much more to this Goblin's deck than I ever really thought there would be to a Goblin's deck. I mean, and ever more to a mono-red deck than I thought. I Like, not yeah. to say that aggro is brainless, there's a lot of really good decisions that go into a, a red aggro deck, but this is really a, a combo deck, and there's so many
3: little intricacies that go into it as well. Goblins love breaking rules.
2: <laughs> the crazy thing about this Goblin's deck is actually, like, this current version of the historic one is the most turbo-muxus, in quotation, plan, like, you have all these secondary things we're talking to you about, like Cranko and Snoop and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you have four one-drops that help you cast Muxus, and you have four two-drops in Wily Goblin. Or technically the other Goblin that makes two one-ones. Though so that one needs Prospector. And, like, basically you want to get to turn three Muxes as quickly as you possibly can. But other formats, so Legacy and Modern play goblins in a totally different way those goblin decks are like control deck well legacy is a control deck and then modern is like a combo deck so yeah,
0: yeah.
2: it's really wild it's wild that the same cards are in all three decks there's there's muxes in the legacy deck there's Muxus in the um historic deck there's um prospector in most of them snoop in some of them and they just all play so differently man it's cool
3: I think although although the legacy one needs to come to historic so that I can just attack with Lackey, put in muxus.
2: <laughs> yes please. Yeah, can I get should I go to like Wasi with a sign like please put yes. gobbled- and send
0: I and send pizza. pizza. That's the other thing <laughs> you have to do. You have to send, have to I'll send as well. top. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and Sean, the the other thing I want to touch on before we wrap it up a little bit is looking at how the two competitive events went on Saturday and Sunday and then kind of looking to uh, what you played today and what's what we're looking forward to this week. Is this a meta where we kind of were locked in? We know this is the best deck. These decks can do some damage. That's it. Or is this a deck or is this a meta where it kind of is fluid and seems to be changing every couple of days in terms of what the best deck is or what the strategy
1: should be? Yeah. I mean, I think right now historic's kind of locked in stone a little bit. We have two big historic events coming up. We have the, uh, Mythic Invitational, right, Eric? That's what you're cued
3: for. That's in what? Two weeks? A week and a half? It's it's weird. It's on Thursday, so okay. it's it's um so like my deck, the decks have to be in on the sixth, and then we start play on the tenth.
1: So we have that coming up, and then we have um the Zendikar qualifier, Zendikar Rising weekend, on the weekend of the twenty second. Nope,
2: the twelfth. 12th? 12th? <laughs> It's the same weekend.
1: Yeah, Okay. so we also have that coming up pretty quick. I doubt there'll be much innovation between now and then. I mean, like Caroline's deck will probably there'll be some new and cute things going on in that deck. I mean, we've already experimented with green. Maybe we go to red. Who knows? But other than that, I I would be very surprised if anything else comes out of the woodwork between now and then. I mean, people are more Uh, likely going to be testing, I would think.
2: I think I'm willing to disagree. Um, and the reason I'm disagreeing is because I think the card pool is so large in comparison to the last time that there was competitive historic, and that was shielded by mostly like all Field of the Dead decks anyway. That I think it is of all the tournaments in the last two years in Magic, I don't. I'm not going to claim that this is happening, but if it is possible in any tournament. I think it's possible in this tournament that someone's building a deck that you have not seen. I think this has the chance to do that because I think the card pool is so vast. I think the stakes are a lot higher than they've been in other things. Um, this sets people up a lot for the you know the upcoming competitive season. Um, I think there are players that you don't get to see a lot. We don't have the MPL streaming anymore. We don't have rival streaming. So I think that you may be surprised that this is a little bit of a, not full-blown, old-school, lock yourself in a week with a bunch of um, magic players and test, but I I would be willing to bet that something new comes out in this tournament.
0: You heard it here first. Five-color Niv-Mizzet. It's gonna be winning some historic, alright? Going yeah. straight from the brawl queues out into winning some historic matches. It's coming for you.
2: For what uh, it's worth, I, I do sort of refer to things like, like <clears throat> Breach. Um, like, a, if a Breach deck shows up, I would consider that new. I understand Breach exists, and we all know that it exists, um, but that deck isn't really around right now. So if someone comes up with a Breach deck that's actually pretty competitive, I think that would be in the space of new things, if that is fair to say.
3: Sure. I mean, I, I'm excited. That's all I can say. Yeah. I also want to point or say that, like, I think that also, while, you know, I, I definitely agree with Carolyn's point, like the, the the decks that you might think are good going into the weekend might flip. Um, one of the things that I have noticed a little bit about this, about historic is I think that the, you know, the, the one card, you know, the one card combo decks, I think right now are probably my favorite. And the, the what I mean by like the one card combo decks is like, uh, Bolas's Citadel, Muxis, um, Godfiero's gift to a certain extent. There's a lot more play than that, but it's like, you know, it, it is, that is like, it's big thing that it's doing. It's doing some other stuff too. Goblins kind of does a, a other stuff too, but it does like, you know, try to cast Muxus as fast as possible. Those decks i think can be targeted a little bit easier than other decks um and also i think that um it does make other decks that can prey upon those better so what i mean by that is we hadn't seen auras do really well recently because there was a big flux of the red green mid-range deck the red green mid-range de- or the, sorry not red green sorry red black mid-range uh like um young pyromancer dread horde arcanist that type of thing and just like making them sacrifice creatures they they like basically pushed auras to a spot where it was really bad in the format and then those the the red uh black decks were really weak to the sultai decks so the sultai decks started pushing out the red black decks and the aura decks are starting to like kind of slide back in right and i think there might be a little bit of like that changing as the week progresses and it's going to be really interesting to keep up on exactly that um and then also like what the hate cards are in the sideboard because like if you want to beat something like the god pharaoh's gift deck you're gonna need you know you probably want some good graveyard hate um which means that cages go away right you probably want some artifact destruction um and then like you know and then so like if the cages are going away and the artifact destruction is coming in then a deck like goblins would be better um or you know a deck like citadel would be better And uh, or like collected company, I should say, will be better. Uh, So it's like interesting to see where exactly that goes. Um, And then, you know, um, just like kind of like, it might be a point where there might just be like a nice circular format, which is like really cool. And I'm really excited for that at the very least.
0: Heck yeah. I mean, just even just listening to the discussion between the three of you about, uh, your experience in this past weekend, but also kind of the difference of opinions that we might have going forward for the next week or so uh, in the historic format, kind of, I think, lends some credence to that circular logic that you have for, for the, the format or the circular nature to the format, I should say. So that's, that's really neat. That's really awesome. And I think that anyone who's listening probably just gleaned a lot about not just a couple of decks, but about the format in general. So if you are going to be, uh, if you are listening in to this discussion, go out, play some historic, go win, and then let us know that it's all because of us that you won. That's what it's going to be. And we'll be playing right alongside you. Uh, And you can probably see a bunch of competitors uh, that are on this podcast here in the next week or so, whether it be historic or otherwise. And before they can compete, they need to get better at the game. So that's as we close out, that's what I want to know, is what's the one thing you're doing to get better at the game of Magic this week, and where can people find you doing it? And so let's start with you, Caroline. What are you doing to get better at the game this week, and where can people find you doing it?
2: Uh, Okay, well... I think one of the things I'm going to try and do this week is um, explore the deck a little bit. I'm sort of maybe really comfortable with taking decks from the net. Um, don't really know the phrase. Never really heard of it before. Uh, but I, be- um,
0: I believe it is uh, Google, uh, Google decking. <laughs> Google decking. Oh, I think.
2: Yeah, that sounds familiar. You're right. I, uh, filthy Google deckers. Yep. That's a That might
0: that might be a boomer term, I'm not certain.
2: Well, we can ask our resident boomer.
0: (laughs) He uses he uses Lycos and Encarta for his decks.
2: That (laughs) That joke went way over everybody's head. There you go. Everybody said. Anyway, uh no. I I am typically pretty happy to find a deck on the internet. Um Though I, I will say I pride myself in being able to tell the best or being able to get a feel for which of the various different deck lists of that format or of that archetype are good. So when I go digging for a Tron deck, I usually have a, I feel like I have a good read on like, you know, what the decks are doing and which one I like. Um, So that being said, I am going to attempt to expand on the deck, that, the Godfair's def- deck a little bit. Um, and see if I can bring it to a new space that can survive a format of maybe all ley lines or rest in pieces. Um, And yeah, I think that's kind of my goal for the week. I have the SCG on Monday. Um, Don't really have anything else for the rest of the the weekend. So it's my last weekend in Denver, which I'm sad about, but it'll be okay. (laughs) Um, And so I guess I might not play Magic but I said that last weekend, so who knows?
0: And where oh, can people find you out. doing that?
2: I knew where I thought <laughs> I remembered. <laughs> I was getting there on my own. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MightyLinguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at TheMightyLinguini, and you can find me on Twitch at TV slash TheMightyLinguini. I stream on Wednesdays. I always have a magic guest, but we don't always play magic. Uh, Asterix this week and next week i am taking off uh since i want to spend time with people here and then when i'm back in vancouver on the 17th i will likely be streaming arena uh and i will likely be streaming um cards we m- might have heard of
0: Ooh.
2: is that is that too much is that not F- enough
0: fancy that's just just right there just right on that side sweet eric where are you going to be doing to get better at the game this week and where can people find you doing it
3: so I just wanted to make a real quick note. Um, Caroline, if you need any deck lists, um, if you're like looking for stuff, I can fax you some stuff over. Yeah, that's a good point. For- um, yeah.
2: Sorry. So unfortunately, the pigeon that I use for like my male pigeon, mm-hmm. uh, it had a little accident on the fax. So if you could just uh, send a pigeon instead, that would be great.
3: Um, we only use owls i think oh yeah
0: that's okay though
2: it has a 50 character max so you'd have to send a lot
0: that's like a minnesota thing as opposed to a colorado thing you know it's it's all very different on that side
2: i'm pretty famous for having a pigeon on my balcony so yeah. we're definitely a pigeon family over here, in,
0: here. here in nebraska we use whooping cranes but it's much more expensive i'll tell you that much
3: how about sloth mail how much can they carry oh, it takes forever though
2: they carry a ton but they take forever
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. um Yeah, so anyway, uh, back to what I was asked. Um, I'll be playing a lot more historic. Uh, I'll be doing it mostly on stream, uh, a little bit off stream, hanging out with the Segoi team that we have. Um, But if you want to watch me playing on stream, you can watch me Monday through Friday on twitch.tv slash ConanHawk. Um, And if you want to... I don't know, hear my thoughts, I guess. I kind of yell them at Twitter, at Conan Hawk, and then um, I actually have an adorable picture of Luna that just went up on my Instagram, which is also at Conan Hawk, so check that out.
0: Heck, yeah, that's spicy. I could always just go for some good historic play and some... Fun pictures of cats all at the same time, but if I'm not gonna be looking at cute pictures of pat cute cute pictures of pats, man, my verbiage is not wow, out there today. Wow, that's really nice. If I'm not looking at cute pictures of pats, I'm gonna be looking at some historic hagjack the mathering, and I want to know what are you gonna be doing in that realm, Mr. Toolshed, and where can people find you doing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, literally after this podcast, I'm gonna jump into our chat and start playing some historic. You can um, that's all we get. That's all I'll be doing for the next. You know 10 12 days whatever we have until the qualifier weekend um you can follow me on twitter at uh twitter dot whatever, tv <laughs> slash whatever it is yeah um, we're
0: all getting there at this point
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> follow me at, at mr tool that's what it is um you can find my deck list from uh the star city weekend there uh fire shoes retweeted it the other night you can find it on twitter Um, come say hi come hang out come give me some sweet bant advice and then come cheer us on in the star city on monday and cheer us on in the qualifier weekend i think we have what is it 10 of us qualified 10 or 11 which is like pretty much everyone who plays magic on a regular basis is qualified which is awesome that's great so yeah there's a lot of us qualified for that so it'll be super exciting
0: heck yeah, that's fantastic. Me, I'm gonna be sitting back. I'm gonna be playing a bunch of historic as well, just kind of <laughs> writing off the coattails of all the really talented people and learning all the things I can and playing historic. But also, I'm gonna be looking up ways to see if what's how can I be playing some uh, some in real life paper magic in some way, shape, or form with a webcam and what have you. I finally have put a lot of upgrades into my commander deck, and I want to play the damn thing. So I'm going to be looking up at different ways that I can uh, play some commander matches with some folks as well, which should be a lot of fun. If folks want to find me doing that, they can find me on Twitter and Twitch, at brasky 1142 And, of course, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast, hitting that subscribe button. You could also leave us a review, whether it just be stars or some actual verbiage uh, of a review, which is always much appreciated as well. If you do that, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the podcast. And we really appreciate you listening to us today.
1: And, as always, we'll see you next week. Bye.
3: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Carolyn definitely wasn't muted. She was looking at Kitchers of Pats.